great questions. If y'all weren't here, last week uh, we met together here, same place, and Eric came and talked to us for a little bit. Um, and I'm just going to hit some of the high points of that in just a second. But Eric came and just talked about, you know, what it really looks like um, to be a godly man and what the Lord has called us to be. Um, and just kind of hit on, you know, this idea of passivity and how we fight passivity and, and about priorities and where our priorities are. And just challenging us to kind of step into the crises of this world and, you know, what it is, why God really made us to be men um, and, and not women and what our particular roles are. Um, and my, actually, my favorite line from it was, uh, we are male by birth, but men by choice. Um, and so just really a, a great uh, time of, of just going through God's word and talking about what it means to be a godly man. A godly man. And so we asked uh, Eric to come back and uh, Mark Fowler and Renee Rivera to come back um, and just have a conversation with us. And, and you guys gave us some really awesome questions to start with. Just to talk about, okay, well, what does it mean uh, to actually live that out and to, to be men in our workplace, to be uh, men in the church, men that date uh, or marry, and what does it look like? And so that's what our time tonight is all about. Um, this is about you guys being able to ask questions. We've already asked them, and we'll kind of start from there. But this is a discussion, um, and just really to hear from some men that uh, are, are really following hard after the Lord. Um, and so that's what tonight is all about. Um, yeah, uh, just kind of further what he was saying a little bit is, um, well, two things is one that um, we just want to thank you guys for doing this uh, for us and with us. Um, and it's really great that you guys are taking your time out. And um, I hope you guys really appreciate the, the, the time that they do and the, the information that they'll give us and kind of some feedback and stuff like that. Second of all, um, we were blown away by some of the questions that you guys wrote down. We, we really appreciate the openness uh, that you guys had, the honest questions that were just written down on paper. I mean, at first get not even, you know, a couple days to think about it. So it really kind of blew us away, and uh, we do appreciate that. Um, but uh, so those two things, you know, just uh, we do appreciate. So uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight's Father. We thank you for the the men in this room, uh, Father. We thank you for the for the men that you have called here. Uh, we thank you for the direct uh, uh, calling that you have on our, on all of our lives. And Father, we just look forward to that, uh, and also the things that you have in store for us in the future. Father, I just pray that our hearts are open to you tonight. Uh, Father, that even though that you have made us a man, Father, that it's it's sometimes it's hard to to totally understand that by ourselves. And Father, we just really just look towards you. Uh, tonight to speak to these men, these uh, older men in our, in our church, uh, to kind of show us a little bit more direction and, and how to live a life for you as a man. And uh, Father, we just thank you. Uh, we love you so much, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And if y'all don't know Don Mountain, he's our singles <laughs> minister here. He's going to be our moderator for tonight. Yeah. So don't okay. be offended. Hey, one uh, caveat at the end here. There's no way we can accomplish everything, all the questions. All your questions, no way that can be accomplished. And so we'll talk a minute about that at the end. But one of the greatest tools you have in your disposal is a thing called small groups. And so we'll talk about that at the end. But it, you, an ongoing dialogue needs to start. So hopefully this prompts some questions, some thoughts, some things that can be uh, dialogued later. Hey, uh, let me throw you a softball, guys. And anybody can pick it up here. But uh, how can I live out my faith as a leader in my workplace? How can I live out my faith as a leader in my workplace? Got this church thing going, got this Christian thing going, got this work thing going. How can I do that? 
I guess I'm first. Don't all jump in there at once. Yeah, uh, my name is Rene Rivera. I work for the Hewlett Packard Company. I've been a member of uh, Houston's First for about 16 years. Yeah, I think so, yeah, 16 years. Make it up if you like. I'm the only layperson. <laughs> I'm the only layperson here, I guess. I'm not a deacon or. Uh, but uh, to answer that question, I tell you right now, you don't have to have the prayer of Jabez in your cubicle or have your Bible on your desk. Uh, I think it's going to come with your actions, with your integrity. Uh, as a Christian in your roles, the language you use, how you treat women in the office place, how you do your, your business dealings, um, and be wise in all things. I mean, don't go to the clubs if the guys go to the clubs. Do something different, stand out, be different, remain pure in those things. Uh, you know, uh, you will, if, if you follow those things, you will stand out as someone different or weird, okay? <laughs> Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's your integrity and, and how you respond to everyday actions. God's will for you, 95% of it is the type of person that you are. How you talk. He's worried about that conversation you have with your coworkers. He is worried about that conversation you have with the dry cleaners. He's worried about how you manage the company's finances when no one's looking. He's worried about that. And those things will come through in the end. It's integrity. Uh, keep your priorities. I would say stay in the word. You can have it on your desk if you need to, but remember, that can also hurt you later if you have it on your desk. Uh, so, uh, because you're, you're held to a higher standard. There are those dogging your step as a Christian. So, uh, I, I would just say integrity in, 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 in the way you speak uh, at the workplace. Mark, do you work for people now you start your own business? How does uh, work and faith as a man fit together? Well, I, I would agree. I, I happen to have a Bible on my desk. Just It's just something that I've always... I saw it one time um, on a guy I really respected, and I thought, wow, that, but it's more, it's more for me uh, to keep me accountable. Um, so I, I would say, you know, exactly that. I mean, you, you are under a microscope. People are looking. I'll never forget early in my career, and I've been in the business world for a little over 20 years, and I remember one time there was a situation that happened, and I didn't even know the word was a bad word, but I just said, man, what a bitch situation that was and all of a sudden I mean I didn't think that was really a bad word but I heard I heard this in the background Mark Kohler cussed did you hear that Mark Kohler and, and I just will never forget that was just a wow I had no idea that a people were listening mm -hmm. people cared that it brought such attention but it just yeah. was like whoa it really taught me um, and then um, and then the other part of that is that when people know that you're a, a believer um man you it, it may for some I'm, I'm inviting a girl tonight um this lady a client that i've known maybe a month and a half and she just out of the blue this past week calls me up mm -hmm. says mark you go to church don't you and i said yeah and she goes i can tell and but then the whole point we talked about then I said but it's not a church that you see that you it's different it's, it's the Lord but sometimes that can take 10 years before you have that conversation with somebody sometimes it can be a couple months and just so you always have to realize you have no idea I had no idea this lady saw anything different in my life no idea I hardly know the woman uh, and so God is you know I wake up every day and I say Lord give me opportunities to glorify your name Give me opportunities to tell the world how great you are. And when you ask God, it's amazing how he will give you opportunities. I'm a paper peddler. I sell paper for a living. How boring is that? 
when my day gets exciting is when I have opportunities that God opens up to tell, you know, tell people about him. And, and you don't force it. You don't force it. Right. It's not about thumping this. It's about how you respond to situations um, and react that uh, people should see the Christ that lives in you. I'm following up what Mark said, uh, Eric. What, uh, what are some good ways to interact with and possibly confront, uh, positively influence co-workers? Maybe it's uh, how they dress or behave or how they talk, maybe appropriately or inappropriately. How do, you, how do you deal with the interaction of co-workers? Well, number one, I don't, I don't think it's my job. Like I worked at Humana Hospital, and it, I didn't see my job there to oversee everyone else's behavior, attitude, and conduct. I really didn't. I felt like my role there was to to live out, you know, the, the best I could, Christ likeness. And so, with with that in mind, um, you know, if a guy is slamming his wife, which you know everybody's gonna, I don't know if you're gonna hear that or not, but for me, I heard a lot. You know, there's this ball and chain mentality that just gets it's easy jokes, easy humor. For me, it's like. I, I wouldn't participate in that, and then I would also praise my wife. I would talk about what a great wife God's blessed me with, things like that. I think that the light, if you, if, if you have darkness going on and you bring light up into it, that in and of itself, it's, it's like that changes the dynamic of what's going on. Uh, what, I, I never got into language, like correcting everyone's language. I, you know, uh, I don't like that word. It's like... It's not about what I like or don't like. It's it's happening around me. That I don't have to. That doesn't dictate my language. And as you said earlier, people notice. Yeah. There is a huge difference. And so I have, I've had opportunities, you know, from college on till now to share Christ with people because they ask me. I see something different in you. And it's not that I'm perfect or any of that, but there's a different tone. And so for me, as far as interacting in the workplace. Um, I would say invest in the people around you. Actually get to know the people around you to the best of your ability. Ask God to help you see them as he sees them so that you can actually, when you do have to interact with them, there's, there is a relation that's there, a relationship that's there that's far more than, you know, he doesn't care about anybody but himself. He lives out in the suburbs. He goes to church with his family. He, you know, he doesn't play golf with us. You know, instead of being known as that guy, you've actually taken an interest in the people around you. I don't know if that hits. You all work in all kinds of places and environments. What additional questions might you have on the workplace and being a man, a godly man in the workplace? You're allowed to say it out loud. I've recently come to that. I've been in my position for 11 years, and it's unheard of to be in one company for more than five, right, and not be a manager in three. Um, I, I'm a sales manager, and now I'm a global account manager. I've been in my job, like I said, for 11 years, and people around me have said, hey, why are you still doing sales? Why don't you be in management now? They, 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 what I get is I'm not ambitious enough. Right. Uh, I'm good at what I do. 
because of God's blessing me. It's not because of what Renee has done, but God has opened up doors for me and opportunities for me to be successful at what I do and be consistent in what I do and provide for my family. And I'm going to say a word that's probably going to be stunning to you all. It's contentment. Being content with what you have and the gift that God has given you to get up every morning and enjoy this great earth. Okay? And I'll be honest with you, it's, I'm content with what I have. Uh, I don't take it for granted. I work hard as a dog to maintain it, but I also work to please God in what I do. That's another way to witness is, you know, work. And, and if you, you say you're going to do something, do it. Okay, and so um, we're all talking to guys, right? We're gonna, we can talk to guys. Okay, okay. So I'm, I don't want I don't want to say something like you know if I say shave your legs, you're gonna get to walk being, away. You know. Okay. Recorded though. So. Yes. <laughs> but you know, so but candidly, I just I just want do what you do. If you, if you hate your job, do it to honor God. If you hate your job, look for another job. You're not gonna do you do your best at your job if you don't like what you do. But honestly, if you're in a situation, uh, submit to authority and, and be content with what you have. And if the opportunity arises, like you say, it will arise. God will open doors for you, for you to be consistent and to be successful in those areas. God says, I have plans for success to prosper you. It's going to open doors for you. He's going to take care of his own. He's like a father taking care of kids. He will provide for you. For me, I, when, when I, Renee was saying that, for me, it's having a, a heavenly perspective. Right. Uh, you've got to, I believe that we should be the hardest working. We should right. be excellent in everything that we do. No question. People should see your work ethic. You should work harder. But at the end of the day, God is more concerned about your character right. than he is your bank account. And that's hard being from, I'm in sales and I'm looked at upon yeah. my sales. And God has, I told the people when I left after 20 years of my company to be with this group of guys, I said, just because God is blessed me financially and with sales the last 20 years that doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen these are two christian owners god and so i have to look at i'm going to work hard read the book of ecclesiastes if you're yeah. wondering because you can be godly you can be living for god and the reality is you may lose everything or you may just not it just the breaks may not happen to you but the reality is god has a plan for you it's a beautiful plan. It's in his timing, though. It's beautiful in his timing, but it's a mystery. We can't understand. We can't figure it out. The reality is usually hard work and success, usually that usually happens. But just remember, you are, we are not, this is not our, we have to think heavenly. We've got to think um, just godly and that the character of who you are as a man, that is the number one priority. God, conform me to the image of your son. And I'll just tell you, it's a daily struggle for me to have that balance, especially when your coworkers, some of them who aren't living for God are just having massive success, and you're kind of like, oh, what about me, God? So it's just a, what is success in the eyes of God, and, and for us as believers, is sometimes looks very different but one thing that we have in common is we need to be excellent, excellent in our work mm -hmm. ethic and how we do the job that we have been given. Any other questions on uh, work and um, your interaction with work?
Jump all over that, guys. Just jump all over that. I would say be gracious. Uh, you know, smile. If they say a crude joke, hey, check out that girl. She's got a big pair of, you know what? She's got great eyes. You know, you know you're right. God created, you know, don't. Wouldn't drop it to the line and say, "Well, God created her to be beautiful like that." Don't get weird on them, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, I, I would just say, you know, yeah, you're right. She is gorgeous, and I hope she, I hope she finds someone to respect her and walk away. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I, I would be gracious and smile. I wouldn't make anybody feel guilty about what they're saying. I mean, uh, uh, you're in a tough situation, and I know your situation because you you work with people. You have to have interaction and, and contact and relationships you have to build with them uh, in situations like that I just be gracious don't be a don't be a prude uh, you know I, I'd be I'd respond accordingly joke is funny laugh and then you know pull back you're human uh, I wouldn't be guilty about it but it's very tough it is tough don't get me wrong but you you're, you're you're dead to that you don't find I don't know if you find joy in that anymore that's, that's what I'm hearing from you and believe me, non-Christians know how Christians should act. Does that make sense? Non-Christians know how Christians should act. So I would be gracious, smile, you know. Um, or if you're offended, hey, you know, I kind of, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Be careful what you say about people. I don't know. But you, you can handle it gracefully. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah, I would say I've always found one-on-one -on -one trumps group interaction yeah. all the time, and especially if something's potentially negative. Yeah. Um, to me, is if there's a relationship that you're like, hey, this guy continues to think that I find great humor in these jokes, I would actually just buy him lunch, take him out, and and in that conversation, I would I would pray ahead of time for God to give me the right timing, the right words. If you want to talk through what that might sound like, that'd be great. But but ultimately to let someone know you enjoy being with them and interacting with them. And yet when those types of conversations go, it really puts you into an awkward spot where you're not comfortable anymore. You used to be, but you're not. And just say, hey, I really value the friendship. And so I just wanted to let you know that. In other words, I, I've won a whole lot more hand-to-hand -hand than I ever have in a group setting trying to, I mean, Christ was infinitely wise and asked the perfect question, I'm not him. And so a lot of times in those bigger settings, I'm just like, you know, okay, these are two guys I know that I've got enough bandwidth with that I can actually have that conversation with them. And those relationships can change. Uh, the broader audience I can't control, and so I'm not going to try to at that point. I don't know if that answers it enough. but so we warmed up a little bit. Any other questions? Is this question, Travis? I do. Uh, you mentioned earlier, I would. I don't know what your relationship is like, but I. I would ask him in private just to say, "Help me. I'm. I'm trying to learn from from you. I'm here, and it, it's a. It's a. I'm learning so much from you. Help me understand how you came to the decision for mm -hmm. this. Whatever that cutting of the corner is. Help me understand how did you come there? Like, what are you trying to accomplish by doing that? And just try to ask him to help you understand so that you can learn more from him. 
And in that conversation, you're coming as a learner and you're submitting yourself to him. But I believe in asking those questions, often what happens is in that, in that private one-on-one -on -one opportunity, he's not saving face, but it will, he will have to figure that out. And he might give you one answer, go home at night and not sleep well at all. But, but I would pray on the front side of the conversation yeah. that God would work in that. But I would just ask him. I mean, that's You may that's not me, know the whole story either. May have, there may be a budget issue, or he may uh, not know any other way to do it. You may discover that. But by going to him as a, as, a, as a learner and trying to seek information, you may open doors there you've never had before. Let me turn the corner here just a little bit. So uh, this, that was a warm-up session. So let's... Uh, there was a question. Oh, excuse me. Do you have another question? No, no, yeah. work. Robert, excuse me. Anything except I'm a, I sell cars, and I'm a direct member and manager of Maverick Christian. You sell cars? Uh -huh. Okay. I'm constantly asking me to pull prices out of Mama. I, I, I understand how you would approach a Christian in that regard. How would I approach him? I mean, is that argument wrong? How would Cousin Matt approach him? So, what is the issue again? He's, he's having me pull prices for something that I know I'm not right now. I almost feel like you're in that whole Daniel situation. Mm -hmm. I, I would almost make a, a proposal to him to say, hey, can we can we take a quarter? Let me for the next quarter, let me do it in a way that I believe honors God best and is honest and straightforward. And if you're not if you're not pleased with the sales that are being made and all of that, then then we can talk again. But but let me for the next three months, let me let me do it God's way. Let me just show you. And, and I mean it's gonna test your faith. I <laughs> But, I mean, that's what I would do if I were in your spot. And I don't know if, what, how that hits. But. No, I would just say if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of a, I mean, obviously you want to be humble. You want to be under his leadership and respect, respect, respect. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, if the Holy Spirit is saying what you're doing crosses a moral boundary, uh, then I would say, you know, God, as long as I'm here, I'm going to respect authority. But I'd be getting my resume out where you could find a place, unless... Uh, because that, you know, and then tell him about it because the reality is, you know, God places the members of the body where it pleases him. It's a great freeing verse. If you wonder where you should be, if you're walking with God, he does that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so just say, you know, you're there for a purpose to be salt, to be light to him and to be those around you. But, and I, cause I had an atheist boss for the last 10 years. And, and so I, I get that. And, but he knew where I stood and, and where it went over the line, then I, like you know, Renee said, I cordially went to him. So I, I think there's that balance. But if I ever felt like he said to do something, like he told me to lie one time, and I just didn't, I didn't do it. I would, you know, because that for me, that that's my character and your character in your name is exactly. everything. Yeah. You know, who can, God can provide another way. So, but respect and and do a great job, and they usually work together. Yeah, and your 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 submission is first and foremost to Christ. His Absolutely. law trumps everything else on earth. So, I mean, if he is asking you to, to do an ethically wrong thing, you know, to me, you don't have to go down that path, you know, as, as far as that goes. Let me change the subject here. Uh, and I know there's yeah, one, many, many more questions okay. here in regards to that. So, again, this is a primer, hopefully, on it that will get you thinking. And so continue those conversations and the discussion. Let's, talk, let's, let's swing over here and uh, let's go to male sexuality. 
And we're going to distinguish that from relationship with, with women. We're going to talk about male sexuality, deal with that subject as a whole. And again, we have no way that we can hit all the subjects and all the different questions you might have on it. But as we deal with that, uh, Eric, men's minister. Thank God. You okay. <laughs> At least I'm not on the spot here. At least I'm not on the spot here. What are some godly ways to handle lust? Uh, ex, we're yeah. talking about lust in the idea of male sexuality, not lust generally. Yeah, I, I would say in my life, things that have been helpful have been taken an in, there's, there's sort of a spiritual component to it, there's a physical component to it, there's a relational component to it. And I would say on the physical side, finding healthy, good physical outlets, uh, i.e., for me, would be running, biking, um, getting out, and spending time in a sense, physically releasing myself in, in those active ways. Uh, relationally, it's, it's having, having men in my life that I can honestly talk to. Uh, there are three or four men in my life right now, and, and there's, there's two of them that, you know, on a, on a daily basis, we, we text back and forth. One's a pastor in Nashville. The other is a, is a minister on staff here. Um, I think accountability is really, really, really eminently important and necessary for us. I mean, truly, if, if it's a, uh, again, one of my favorite quotes, I think it was from John Stott, is that, that God has called us to a battlefield and not a playground. And I lived from, I became a Christian my junior year of high school, and I feel like I lived for about four years acting like it was a playground and not realizing that there is a real enemy out there who really has a strategy, and he's implementing the strategy in great success in my life using the weaponry of, of something I'm actually wired for, which is God has created a sexual creature. So that would be the relational side of it, having those relationships. And then the spiritual side of it is uh, an analogy I would use is, is if I truly pursue the things of God daily, it, it would be very similar to when I was, I was a freshman in college. I went, went to South Carolina. Well, I went to Furman University, it's in South Carolina. I was driving back to Tennessee on I-85 and I'm going due west on I-85. The sun was starting to set and you get near Atlanta and 285 is there and it's sort of like you get, it's, it's almost like a mix master where roads go everywhere. And if you hit the wrong one, welcome to hell. It's like you are, you're gonna be gone for a long, long time. And this is before GPS, this is before cell phones. I mean, this is 1986 and I'm driving. The sun was setting, and I remember I was sitting there, and it, I did not see the road signs. I could not read the road signs because the sun was so bright right in front of me. And I remember it's like God gave me that as an analogy to hold on to, and I've held on to it ever since then, so it's been like forever. But since when, yeah, when, when I focus properly on the things of God, he has afforded me the privilege of not always noticing everything else around me that would be a distraction or that would take me down a path that I don't need to go. Now, if you're in a relationship with a girlfriend, we're not going to link those up yet, but I'd give you some other things. But those are three areas for me is pursuing God daily. Truly do, and ask him to give you a new heart. I mean, if you feel, man, I am so broken in this area. If you are in addiction, meaning you've tried to stop whatever it is in the lust area and you haven't, I'd say, man, get in counseling, get in a support group, and, and fight the battle that's there. 
It's a, it's a legitimate deal. It's going to tank your life if you don't take it out. If you don't say, God, I can't do it alone. You've got to do this. And so those would be my three. Let me, let me go some specifics with Mark. Uh, folks are in serious relationships. Some are not in serious relationships. Yes, they, uh, some of us still struggle with pornography, uh, masturbation, uh, struggle with uh, uh, things in our lives. How do you, as you walk into relationships, possibly with a, with a, uh, a serious relationship, how do we handle some of these things we're still struggling with in regards to our male sexuality? Whew, that's a toughie. Um, I would say, one, uh, you, you got to have a, a plan um, in place in your life. Uh, before you start um, dating. For me, I had a, a wild past, and so um, those of you who know that, so I was a very wild college guy, and so my greatest thing that I'm thankful for is that I was sexually pure from 91 until 98, and so I can only really relate it to that, that um, one, um, every day for those seven years, and now since I've been married now for a little over 11 years, I'm on my knees every day saying, God, I am weak in this area. Uh, my life verse is, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And so every day, including today, not so before it was trying to be sexual purity. Now I'm married. I want to be pure to my wife. And, 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 but more than, more than that, more than that, I, I, for me, it's you and the Lord have such amazing love for each other I mean, his love for us but you have this love for God and that you just love him so much and that you look at a female as potential has a potential to bring you down to zap your relationship with God a sexual sin or whether it be with a female but just whether it be masturbation pornography it will just or even homosexuality or almost, any, any, it's male sexuality so yeah and so I, I may have gotten off track for what you were trying to ask but for me it's every day asking God for his strength it's saying God will you help me to have a plans for when I do date and have accountability uh, keep that but it, for me it's your prayer closet if I could sum it all up how's your prayer closet yeah. how is it between you and the Lord because when things are good with you and the Lord you got to realize no girl no nothing that a girl can offer you compares to what you can have with the Lord and so for me my sexuality is man the Lord is everything. He's given that in its time, but I'm going to be consumed with him, and I'm going to guard that because if I guard that, everything will fall into place. As men walk into marriage, then what are some things that safeguard they should put up possibly as they head into marriage, the right kind of marriage? What are some things they can deal with? I would say if, if it's been a, a known issue in your past, then you got to set boundaries. Again, having a plan ahead of time, having boundaries set, you know, uh, there's a whole, and when we do this in pre-marriage, I do pre-marriage mentoring, and there's sort of like 12 physical acts, and I think it was Chuck Swindoll or someone drew a line, you know, sort of saying, these are appropriate, these are inappropriate. I'm like, anything that's causing your heart to pant more and more and more, to desire more and more and, and, and desire God less and less, even if that's like holding hands type of deal, you need to draw the boundary there as, as the man in that relationship because... God's holding you responsible for the purity of that relationship. And if, does that make sense, like internally? Like there are things that it might seem really prudish that I've, I've got friends that drew certain lines that were different than mine, and mine were more strict than theirs in some areas. But specifically, I would say, for me, it was, you know, late night with, with, with Stacy, you know, 
I couldn't do it. I couldn't stay up till midnight sitting on a sofa, hanging out for five hours straight uh, without inside my engine starts firing up and I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's not it's not been five hours, Renee, and it's not a sofa. It's individual seats. No, but um, yeah, a little safer. Um, so I would say, you know, for me, it was knowing myself, yeah. knowing my past, knowing the things that were triggers, uh, you know, lingering touches, those things for me, I'd had bad relationships. Now, fortunately, I was, I was a virgin when I got married, but there was a lot of still lust in my life that was there. And so I drew a lot of tight boundaries physically in my dating relationships because I did not want to go down the path. And I knew... <laughs> If I take this step, then tomorrow I'm going to want to take that and this, and I won't be satisfied with just hanging out and talking. I'll want more and more and more. And that's what lust is. It's this, it's a ever, C.S. Lewis said that lust was an ever increasing appetite for an ever diminishing pleasure, is how he defined it in screw tape letters. An ever increasing appetite for an ever diminishing pleasure. And so, for me, I, I drew a lot of boundaries. And, I, and again, I needed other men in my life. I hate to say, I keep, I'm going to keep coming back to that. I don't think the Christian life was ever meant to be lived alone. And the worst thing that ever happened to the church was that the church, we started getting guys going out into the desert, living in a cave by themselves. And that this somehow got held up as a greater form of spirituality than actually being honest with another man, saying, I am really struggling will you pray with me? Can I call you tonight? And I've got guys still, you know, my past, I have addiction in my past with pornography and I brought that into my marriage and I was a Christian. And I'm just telling you, if you don't deal with it now, someone asked the question, what would be the one thing you wish you did differently? I wish I would have believed, uh, Sean Sears was a, a man. He was uh, a boss of mine that I had that I worked for when I was at Dulas Ministries and we sat down, and he, he talked to me about uh, lust and pornography, and I told him I was struggling, and he says, it won't go away when you get married, That's Eric. Right. It will not go away. He said, it won't go away when you get married. And I honestly wrote him off on that. I wrote him off on it. I was like, yeah, you know. It doesn't magically know. get fixed when and you get married. And so I'm just, I'm just sharing that with you all. I would say ruthlessly fight for your soul and your life in that, and you need another man at least with you in that journey. And don't mess around with that. The uh, one, one aspect of this that we just kind of talking all over that's been talked about on male sexuality is oftentimes an issue of trust, not lust. So it's an issue of trust. Who do we trust most with ourselves and how God has made us? Your sexuality as a church we believe is a God-given blessing, okay? And not a curse you are bound up. Sin has given your blessing and made it into a curse. So it is a trust issue more than it is necessarily a lust issue. We're going to turn current corner again. Again, that's what we've got to whet your appetite on some things for you to continue on. So there's some areas that uh, you've been pricked on, some areas you need to say, ooh, I need to really think about that. I need to go further with that. And so please uh, don't let those things, write those notes down. Go further with that. We're going to move uh, kind of back away to kind of the general topic we talked about last week in terms of life, okay? And so Eric talked a little bit about that. How do you become proactive? How do you break the spirit of laziness? If proactive is one of the, the definitions for for godly manhood um, and to reject passivity, how do you do that? That was the question. Anybody can answer that. Right. I'm only in case. I'm still on the masturbation thing. Uh, no, sorry. Um, 
I would say for me, it comes back to your, your, your prayer closet. You say, how does that have to do with anything? I think when, when I, I believe that the things that we do for God, when you get up every morning with a purpose in your life to live for his fame, for his name, uh, that it should be out of the overflow of your love for him. And that when we try to be, if you're going to pick one, if you're going to pick be a Martha or a Mary, be a Mary. Because I really believe that when you're sitting um, at his feet and you're in his word and you're just taking it all in, then you can't help but you're going to want to go out. And out of the overflow of that, then ministry is going to take place. Proactiveness is going to take place. God's going to put desires in your heart to go and be involved. It's just, they just go together. But when we get burned out and when we get dry, you know, I'll always ask young men, I'll say, tell me about your quiet time. Tell me about it. What's going on? It's not a quiet time just to have a quiet time. It's not just to check off a box. It's to say, God, you know, I want to know you more. And I want to just teach me something about you and, and, and spend time, reveal, show my heart, reveal my heart. Is there sin in my heart? Man, help me, you know, you spend a few minutes thanking God, asking God to search your heart, pray about things. He cares about you. Just spending time in his word. And man, then everything else, what you do, the proactiveness well, they just go hand in hand together, in my, my, for me at least. I think we're called to be men. Uh, you have to take responsibility. At some point in your life, if God blesses you, you will be providing for your family. And being on the couch, playing Xbox with five other guys or World of Warcraft for three hours a day, if that's what you're doing today with a bunch of guys today, you need to set limits and get out. Cut your toenails, wear shoes, Okay, press your shirt, show up with some self-respect. That's how you become proactive in the work in life as well. Okay, you gotta find guys that are, that, that, that are aggressive and wanna win, okay? Winners attract winners. And the question is how to be proactive, how, to, how, to, how do I, I'm trying not to give you common sense thing, but wisdom here. If you wanna stand out from the crowd, don't look like everybody else. And I'm gonna tease Jared, he's wearing flip-flops right now. Okay, I, I'm just teasing you, man. The truth of the matter is, stand out from the crowd. Be proactive. <laughs> we all look the same, all right? Be I'm different. I'm all about comfort. Be yeah. different, okay? If, if, if you find yourself being lazy, find out what's making you lazy. I, well, I've been I was up all night playing Call of Duty, okay? I couldn't get up in the morning and do a Houston project. Okay, cut out Call of Duty. It's that simple, okay? You can't make it to work on time in the morning for your early morning, 8 o'clock Monday meeting. Go to bed early on Sunday night, okay? Change some things, change some habits. I think it's important, too, also, you've got to be disciplined in your quiet time. You've got to be disciplined in your, in your daily time with God, not legalistically. As I tell my guys that I mentor, that when you start doing this in the beginning, you've got to be legalistic so that you get in the Word every day, that you get in front of God on your knees every day. But to be proactive, it's got to be disciplined. How many of y'all like to work out? Now, how many of y'all like to work out? Okay, all right, what I'm saying is, no one likes to work out. It's a pain, okay? The honest answer is, but you have to do it because why? There's, there's a benefit at the end of it, right? Well, the spiritual, Paul said physical activities, physical training is for some value, but spiritual training is the same way. You have to train and get up and get up and do it. If you do it at night, do it. 
But you've got to be proactive in your faith. If you can't be proactive in your spiritual and your faith, you will not be proactive in your outward appearance in what you do. So if you're wondering why you're lazy, stop being lazy. It's that simple. Find out what's making you lazy. Okay? Cut those things out. I, I, I hope that's what answers the question. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking on what Mark says. But, you know, sometimes it's just right there in front of you. If I stay up all night, I don't get up in time for work, go to bed early. Okay? Yeah. yeah. I have two boys, 13 and 10. Aaron's got four, and Mark has three. three. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, there's a lot of single women out there with children. Mm-hmm. Time, so you got to that that's a great question. It seems to be very specific, too. Then let me let me give you a couple of people. There's Susan Newman, who's on mm -hmm. our, our staff, and she works in the uh, student department. Uh, had two children as a single mom, and then had two children, natural children, herself with her, with her second husband, and uh, maybe some uh, ways to talk with her. She was spoken to the single parent family ministry this morning. Also, um, Stephen Murray, who's on the communication team, married uh, a man who had a child already, and so it'd be a good, a good man to talk with in regards to that. But uh, that's a great question. Awesome I'm a, question. I'm, yeah, I'm going to have uh, these guys answer one last question with the time's sake here. That's good. Um, wow. Now married, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? Oh. <laughs> Already in As a single person? Or? As a married person. Are you asking us? One. Is there anything that would have, as a, now married, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? And I'm taking that as uh, before they got married. So my, I, I've already answered the question, so... I just said, yeah, ruthlessly assault any lust issues that you've got uh, specifically. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tackle specifically that, guys, because I want to go back to that. The lust thing, if, if you have an issue with pornography today, it doesn't change once you get this wedding band. It doesn't go away. You don't stop becoming a porn addict or issue with lust if, once you suddenly get married. Okay, so you got to address it before you get married. Uh, for me, I would do something differently. I would have asked my wife's my future father-in-law for my for his daughter's hand in marriage. I didn't do that, uh, um, but I would have done that differently. Um, number two, as a married man, I probably would have had more kids. I cut it off, so I probably would have had more kids. Um, that's, I probably would have had more kids. We we stopped at two, but we we desire to have more. So. More kids. Uh, you know, we uh, we stopped for health reasons. Because uh, uh, autism, not autism, but uh, uh, what is the uh, Down syndrome runs in our family. So we stopped with two healthy boys, and we're grateful for the boys, but there is some regret that we could have had a larger family. And uh, not for any, you know, God gave us the two boys we have for a blessing, but we felt we cut it short. And there's a little bit of regret there, a little bit of regret. I wish I had a girl. <laughs>
Um, I'll just say uh, one thing, and then I'll tell you what, one regret that I have. Uh, one, I would just say, guys, if you wake up in the morning and you're kind of like, mm, just, there's just something more, uh, just, man, right. there should be something more in life. You know, I, one of my favorite verses, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. If you're not, if something's not, if you're not satisfied, man, do the Houston Project. Do something that is godly, that is, uh, you know, your story and my story is boring. The story of God, the story of God who is going on around the world is exciting. He's allowed us to play a part of his great, the greatest story ever told. Be a part of that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It'll yeah. be a, you, you want more and more. You, my relationship with the Lord since 91 has been, I love my wife, but it, it, nothing, my relationship with my kids, my wife, nothing compares to him. And so you can have that and you can get, and it gets better and better, harder and harder, yet better and better. The one regret that I have is that my, um, the 10 years in college, high school, that I was very sexually active, um, I just, uh, it, the, the enemy, my, my wife was a virgin. Um, I was, you know, anything but, and the, the enemy, Satan, absolutely uh, put my wife through a living hell the first two years of our marriage, just by the whole lies and the, the thoughts, and yeah. we, by God's grace, we got through it. My point is this, is the decisions that you're making now not only affect you, they affect just so many different people involved. So many people. Just realize that, that you're going to have a future wife, and, you know, you want a queen. We all want this perfect girl. you got to be a king to be worthy of a queen. Right. And so you live your life the way you want your future wife to live her life, just loving God. But that would be the regret that, man, I just made some really, really foolish decisions. I was a believer. I knew better. I put God on the shelf for my life for 10 years of my life. And, boy, oh, boy, did my wife, that precious wife of mine, pay the price big time. By God's grace, uh, we got through it, but it was a very, very difficult first two years of marriage. Proverbs 31 says that, uh, talks about, anybody who knows Proverbs 31 is what? Ideal wife. The ideal wife, right? It starts out actually, actually with the ideal man. So let's read the first part of Proverbs 31. The words of King uh, Lemuro, the strong advice his mother gave him. Verse 2, this is, I'm going to read from the message, it's a paraphrase. Oh, son of mine, what can you be thinking of? Child whom I bore, the son I dedicated to God, don't dissipate your virility on fortune-hunting women, promiscuous women who shipwreck leaders. Leaders can't afford to make fools of themselves, gulping wine and swilling beer, uh, and swilling beer. less hungover and they don't know right from wrong, and the people who depend on them are hurt. Use wine and beer only as sedatives to kill the pain of the dull ache of, of the terminal ill for whom uh, life is uh, living a death. Verse 8, speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the down and outers. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and destitute. Men, we are called as, we were not just made male, but we are called to be men. And we are called much more specifically to be godly men. The virtuous woman comes after this. So we as men say, God, what do you want in our lives. How can you make us what you want us to be? How can you take that? And can you, these are just some examples of what God has been doing in people's lives. I say the greatest gift I have to offer to you is I have no great gifts. But a life surrendered to God in his hands can do great things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these men. But most and foremost, I thank you for who you are. You've not given up. 
you are not and somehow uh, insecure with who we are. You are somehow not uh, in full understanding of everything that we are dealing with. You are not somehow, uh, you're uh, blind from the darkness. And so, Father, everything that is in the darkness, Father, we pray that we would bring willingly to the light. Father, all those things that we have given our hearts to, Father, we take, we pray, we take steps of proactivity, that we take steps forward. Maybe not always the best. Maybe all, some even take steps backwards at times. And Father, I pray we would step forward. And would you allow us to be the godly men you'd call us to be? Father, I thank you for uh, Jay Jackson and Bill Rademacher and others in this room, these three men right here, who have uh, walked and trusted you, not perfect men, but in the hands of a great, awesome, godly, wonderful God, are much better men because of it. So, Father, I pray that each man here would surrender themselves uh, to you. We trust you more and more. Allow that lust to dissipate because our trust and our love for you has been so great, so permeated, so much a part of us that as if that is a past life. So we are new creations, Father. Let that be so. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to step forward on uh, this again is a wet your appetite. Small groups are very specifically geared towards walking through some additional ideas. Also, if you